Welcome everybody to the AJ Osborne Show, where we focus on our core tenets, impact, freedom, and progress. Join me and others as we grow through education and discussion. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. And Amy, thank you so much for jumping on here. Um, I am so excited to talk to you. Uh, Multiple people um, here in my organization have uh, uh, not only recommended you, they've been excited for this podcast. So, uh, you know, we were talking earlier, you're in Austin, Texas. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. And I've been in Austin for really only a couple of years. You know, I moved here 22 years ago after undergrad. um, And I started working for Dell Computers. And I still can't believe it when I say it, that I was with Dell for 14 years. And uh, that's what initially brought me to Austin. Then I left, went to a few different places, and then just came back a couple of years ago. So it's good to be back. I love the Southern hospitality. I love the friendships I have here. I actually do not like how much it has grown. (laughs) I liked it when everybody knew your name. So um, yeah, but it's a great place to raise children. And we've got some family starting to relocate to Austin. So this will become our home base moving forward. Yeah, well, it, it has drawn national attention to say the least the great migrations have just absolutely uh, gone crazy for a lot of cities um, as everybody knows these inner mountain cities and texas it, it's kind of shocking at how distinct the growth rates really are in the united states like i mean you're whether you're talking midwest upper northeast california to it it's all over the board, but they're so exaggerated, right? Some people are, some places are shrinking, other places are just exploding and they capture all that growth. Um, it's been a wild last five years where I feel like that's really, really picked up. Like those long-term trends just exaggerated more. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And it's funny because so many people continue to ask where's the economy going? Is real estate going to crash? Like, I'm just going to sit here and wait to invest in real estate. And my response is why? Now is the best time ever to start investing in real estate. Like, right. So even during an economic recession, you could still do very, very well in real estate. It's just a matter of shifting your strategy, right. And, and knowing what you're doing, but, um, it's even easier now to do deals all over the country. You just got to be more specific with your buying criteria. hundred percent. I, I did. I mean, really what took our company to where it is, I think was the financial recession. It was that we, we, we shifted, we, we moved, right. And we took advantage and that really changed so much for us. Now you mentioned you were working for Dale. When, when, and how'd you get started in real estate? It's so crazy. So, you know, it's so funny because my background's very traditional, just like most people out there. I was raised to go to school, get good grades. I was always an average student. And, um, you know, in my family, culturally, I'm, I'm from the Middle East, but culturally, you know, they hold education to a very, in my opinion, abnormally high regard. And like nobody in my family has anything less than a graduate degree. So, everyone's a doctor or lawyer or they have their PhD. So I'm the only one with an MBA. And when I got my job offer from Dell, 
it was the only offer I ever got because I didn't even know what I was doing at 21 years old. And um, yeah, I was there for 14 years. And so about 10 years ago, you know, I was like a lot of people addicted to those home renovation shows. And I really just wanted to flip a couple of houses just as a side hustle to make some extra money to really just blow it on materialistic things. While I thought I, you know, pursued what I thought was my dream job with Nike in Portland, Oregon. And so I've always been the type of person where like, I don't like to read a lot of books. Um, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I have a handful of them that I, you know, I will. And um, but no, I'm not a big reader. It took me a long time to admit that actually in public. What resonates with me is learning through like attending conferences, live events, you know, having coaches and mentors. And so 10 years ago, when I wanted to flip a couple of houses as a hobby, I still wanted to have a coach, like show me how to do this. Cause I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't want to make a bunch of mistakes. And, um, and so that's what I did. I put $25,000 on a credit card, hired this coach and, he, along with his partners, taught me everything I needed to know. And then on accident, you know, my very first year as a brand new real estate investor while working for Dell, I ended up buying, renovating and selling 10 properties. And um, that was never the plan, right? So two things really happened at the end of that first year was, yeah, sure, financially, I saw the earning potential, but I really did fall in love with the transformation process. And from day one, like I was a rehabber, I was a flipper. I still love it, but I just don't do that on large, on a large scale anymore. Because um, no. I think as you probably have experienced, like, the strategies are all cyclical, like been there, done that with the next thing. Right. So, yeah. um, yeah. have you, do you think there's a change in those cyclical strategies right now? Are you seeing a change or is it like, what do yeah, you see is working? Yeah. So I am. So I do feel that's a loaded question, man. I, that takes me back <laughs> to 2017. So, um, so I always tell people, and I'm sure you do as well, AJ, but like there are risks to, you know, investing in real estate. We're going to make money. We're going to lose money. And you asking me that question took me right back to 2017 because I had a bunch of tremendous immediate success. You know, I signed a contract with HGTV. I've raised millions of dollars. I'm a keynote speaker, blah, 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 wrote a book, all these amazing things, whatever. But I also lost a bunch of money and I'm very transparent about, you know, in 2017, it was like the perfect storm. I lost $1.4 million. And I'm getting to your question, which was one of my friends called me and this gentleman became my friend um, as a result of starting out as my hard money lender. And he called me and he was like, man, I'm so sorry to hear about what happened. So like, now what are you going to do? And it was literally, it was the worst year of my life, personally, professionally, like it sucked. And it was terrible, but I never thought about exiting the industry. So when he asked me that question, I was like, well, what do you mean? And he was like, well, obviously like you're going to, you know, go get a J-O-B. And I was like, you're hilarious. And no, you just change your strategy as, you know, your financial situation changes or as the economy changes. So I just stopped renovating high-end luxury homes. I came down to the middle income price points. You know, I left the city and went into the surrounding suburbs, still continue to take losses, but they were much smaller. And then again, it's just like shifting that strategy. So then I started investing and a lot of us have heard of like the birth strategy, right? Buying short-term rentals. Um, and now 
for those of you who aren't familiar with this, this that's becoming even more of a strategy right now as people prepare for another economic, you know, recession, shift, whatever. I'm not worried about it. Um, but I am increasing my portfolio right now with short-term rentals in like key markets all over the country. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Cash flows king, you know, in in these kind of times, and you don't want to get stuck with an equity trap. So it's uh, even when we look at like our overall strategy, I, I look at the risk component on the Nash, uh, the non-cash flowing assets. I say you, on our developments, our large scale developments, or anything. I only want that to be virtually 10 to 20% at the most of our pipeline. Everything else, it needs to be acquisition, um, cash flowing day one uh, strategies. We in, we include in those like value add, right? Where we're doing expansions, where we're operationally doing value adds with our, our storages. And it's like, we view that as, okay, I can have my cake and eat it too, because there's still the upside, right? Like I can imagine you buy uh, one that's, uh, really low end, you update it, upgrade it, then you rent it out, and now you're getting a much higher rent, right? Same thing we're doing. And I find that that's a really good strategy in times like this uh, because there is pent up demand for rentals. It is cash flowing, but at the same time, you're getting that value add on it. You are increasing the overall equity and also the rent you can get from it through a value add. I like that strategy a lot right now. Yeah, and that's so funny because our metrics are the exact same. So mine's 10 to 20%. Um, you know, I, I, I still do like here in Austin, um, high end, you know, fix and flips, new builds, whatever. But again, it's only 10 to 20% of my portfolio. We have a backup plan in place where, first of all, we're in a very good pocket, right? We're making all of our decisions just like you off of data, right? And instead of looking at six months worth of data, we're only looking at the last three months, forecasting and depreciation for future sales and things like that. But also we're making sure we're in a very specific pocket so that if it's the perfect storm again, and we can't sell this house to a retail client, we can turn it into a rental, right? So yeah. we know that this market demands that kind I'm of rental backup. income. Totally. Always have multiple backup plans, yes. you guys. So um, yeah. And, and very similar to you, like we're, I'm all about, you know, diversification, like, I don't diversify. I don't put money in the in mutual funds and stock markets. It's all diversified in real estate, whether it's multifamily yes. investing, commercial syndications, you know, short-term rentals. Um, because if something tanks in one area, you know, hopefully it doesn't in the other. Um, so that's something too, as we as investors become more experienced, we want to make sure we're balancing out our portfolios as well and being a yes. little more diverse. That's something that a lot of people don't talk about. And when I look at it, I, I, you know, it, it's something I've talked a lot about to our team and that these markets, they're cyclical, they change, and we don't ever want to be betting the farm on one strategy, but not only betting the farm, we don't ever want to pin ourselves into a corner where all of a sudden our business doesn't work because the economy changed. We need to be able to pivot. We need to be able to shift and say, we're going to now do this, right? We're going to do this strategy, whatever that may be. I mean, maybe raising money's hard because times are getting tough. Maybe deals are hard, right? And everybody, like you said, that's just like, oh, I'm going to wait it out. And everything. They've all been doing, saying that since 2008. And it's like, listen, 
We were buying deals prior to 2008. We're buying deals after 2008. We're buying deals over the last three years. I'm buying deals now and I'll buy deals next year and everything else. The, the types of deals, where I buy them, how I buy them, the strategy, that's changed dramatically over the last 15, 18 years. I mean, it, I would not be buying what I was buying pre-08 today. I would not be buying what I was buying in 2012 today. I won't be buying what I was buying four years. Like, it, it's just people need to understand that, that um, you, you shouldn't expect the market to always do what you want it to do because it's convenient or that's what you know. Uh, the market doesn't care. Right. Yeah, I just couldn't agree more. I just wrapped up a webinar where... I was explaining to everyone, you know, control versus risk and how, you know, as real estate investors, we're able to implement more control into our business, right? Our target market, our buying criteria, our team of experts, the way we diversify our deal analyzers. So because of the way we increase control, we can reduce our risk and nothing's guaranteed, right? But um, diversifying and making sure we've got all those checks and balances in place and being able to, like you said, pivot when times get tough is what will allow us to continue, I feel like doing what we love, um, even when people aren't expecting us to flourish as real estate professionals. 100%, I, I literally have this conversation, I was doing a deal and they're like, oh man, that's a risky deal to be doing right now. And I'm like, to you, not to me. And I'm like, and yeah. it's like, they can't even see it. And I had to actually walk through an outline and what seemed like it was just a generally accepted rule of thumb. And, it, what it was is it was predicated on a development that we were doing versus like an acquisition. And I walked through the math and I'm like, in this market, first of all, there's astronaut, there's no supply, all this kind of stuff. And there was all these fundamentals. But I go, too, you're buying at 3x paying the price of what I am developing and you can't get it in this market. You have to go in a market that's worse than this. And I go, you have 3x the debt. I'm like, how is that more risk than what I'm doing when I have 3x the demand, yet I'm one third the cost and right. I have less debt on the pressure and everything. And it was like, after I walked through a whole bunch of the numbers, it was like, oh, like they didn't even realize that you could apply different strategies in different situations. And the more that you understand the strategy, the more you hedge against overall risks. So what was perceived totally. to be a no brainer, this is risky, damn, for us was no brainer, a massive opportunity. And it was like, regardless if there's a recession or not, I'm like, I'm better off doing this than I would be the other way around. Yeah, I agree with you. It's funny because I always tell everyone, and I believe this, everyone in this country, assuming that they're in a position to do so, does not invest in real estate because they're simply not educated on the process, right? So it's like your education is what gives us the confidence to get out there and like, figure out what we're doing. So educate yourselves, go educate your audience. Right. And there's always, it's always a good time to buy in real estate. It's just a matter of, are we buying right? Right. So we make our money when we buy, we realize our profits when we sell. So what does that look like for you? Exactly. I, uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I don't see, I don't see, and I can't imagine once again, a situation that I'm not a buyer. Um, I, it, it, I, I've been through all sorts of circumstances outside the just collapse. But once again, even in the last collapse, I was a buyer. Um, yeah. And that benefited us astronomically. And so I look at it, I'm like, okay, yeah, if the United States ended or something, but outside anything that's completely out of 
you know, the realms of our control or future, it doesn't matter that point anyway. So why are we even arguing about it? <laughs> like if, if it's in that situation, it doesn't matter, right? We're all done. We're not getting jobs anyways. It's over. So who cares if I bought a property a year before or not? It's literally irrelevant. Yeah. And I have also come to a point in my life and in my career, whether it's right or wrong, some people may not agree with me, but like, I'm done trying to convince everyone why they should be doing this. Like that's exhausting to me. I'm going to go put my time and energy into things that are fun and collaborating with other investors who like get it and want to do deals together. Like I'm even my best friends, like it's interesting. It's not even funny. It's interesting how one of my best girlfriends still 10 years later will be like, Amy, does that really work? And I'm like, Natalie, what? Like you've seen me leave my job, do all these amazing things. Like, girl, I don't have time for this anymore. Just be skeptical. And I'm not going to even try to educate you on this process. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. I view it as, all right, I'm happy to educate. We do all this stuff for those that are ready. It's not my job to make you ready though. And it's not me to try to change your, uh, you know, overarching, you know, beliefs or whatever. It's like, go ahead and do. Um, and then over time, I think people see and, and, and they learn, um, that, oh, well, maybe I didn't fully understand this, right? Or maybe this is different. Yeah. But you can't, you can't, you know, what is it, the phrase? You can't lead a horse to water or you can only, I, I don't oh, remember man. what it is, but everybody probably knows it except me now, now, now all this, but you get, you get the phrase. It's like, listen, you put it out yeah. and it's fun for those people that get it and they want to. Totally. It's like, now we're, you know, they get it. It's, it's awesome. There's nothing cooler than collaborating, working with others. It's the whole reason, like I do the podcast, we do all this stuff. It, it is to increase the exposure to people that think like we do and want to get it. And then we get that and it compounds itself, which is just so exciting. It's so fun. And I'm sure you feel the same way. But isn't that crazy though? Like this really is fun. Like I could do this for days at a time, you know, it's like, I know people get annoyed because it's like, all I do is talk about real estate, but it's crazy. Cause once you know what you're doing, like, it's so much fun. It's so easy to make money, easy to lose it too, but it's like all you end up talking about. So I get it. A hundred percent. It's like, you know, some people are really into football. They have their fantasy football and everything else like that. And I'm like, I'm just into real estate. And I think this is a lot better to be uh, interested interested in because I received the profits, not the network or the football teams. And (laughs) so I'm like, this is a good hobby to be obsessed with. Now, what are you doing now? Well, so I started out 10 years ago, you know, as a, as I mentioned earlier, like renovating homes in downtown Chicago. And I did that, you know, everyone's goals are different. So once I saw that I ended up renovating 10 homes my very first year, that kind of became my baseline. I never wanted to grow from there. I was like, I'm just going to keep doing 10 homes a year. And I did that through 2019. Um, But of course, after I took those big losses in 2017, you know, we all still have fear, right? So I got a little fearful. I got nervous. I was still doing deals, but I still went from like 10 homes a year after 2017 to like, you know, five. And then I ended in 2019. Um, really once COVID started, what happened was, well, my daughter was born. So I was like, I'm going to take a break from everything. Fortunately, my husband and I had made, you know, good investments over the last 10 years. And so we weren't, we didn't have to do 
something at the time. Um, so we were just really trying to figure out what to do. And it's crazy because for the first eight years of my career, people all over the country were coming to me, asking for help. Like they wanted help knowing how to raise money. And cause I started like coaching for other companies and stuff. And I was like, no, 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 I am not starting a coaching program. Like ain't nobody got time for that. Well, then two years ago, my daughter was almost one. And I was like, this is crazy. Like nobody teaches, nobody teaches raising private money at the level of detail that I do. So I was like, fine, if they want help, so I'll help them. So two years ago, I started a private money coaching program. So that's the bulk of what I do now. However, my husband and I, we are still active real estate investors on the commercial side, on the residential side. We've got two new builds going on here in Austin. Um, we consult and advise other individuals in the industry. We still wholesale, again, on a very small scale. The majority of what we do now is public speaking um, and our coaching program. And then we'll always invest in commercial syndications. We're going to start syndicating next year and then um, continue to build new, really just to have our daughter grow up in this environment. We like taking her to the job site and introducing her to the contractors and stuff. Um, so that's kind of what our portfolio looks like right now. I love it. And let's talk about private money. This is such a big piece of what, you know, everybody does. And it's, uh, it creates such big barriers of entry in people's minds. Um, and I, I, I think that a lot of people super overanalyze it. They super overthink it. And they have a lot of preconceived notions on it. Um, and you know, too, though, that, that it's an always changing thing. So I, I raise money. That's why 506 C's we do it. We OPM is, I mean, that's how the economy works. So nobody has enough money. Jeff Bezos doesn't have enough money. That's why his company is worth astronomical amounts. And he's not worth what his company's worth because he needs other people and they all have to invest in it. He doesn't have enough money to accomplish anything he wants to do which is weird to think about because he's the richest man alive, but he doesn't. He always has to get money from somebody else, banks, everything else. So OPM is how the economy works. Just most people don't understand that because they're on the other side of the veil. So they're on the consumer side, which says if you don't have money, you don't get it, right? Exactly. And that's not how the real world works. Yeah, there are so many common fears and objections, which are normal. You know, a lot of yeah. people think, I've never done this before. Like, I don't have any experience. I got to prove myself first. Or I feel bad, like asking that person for money or no one's going to lend me money. I don't know. I don't have any rich friends and family members. And I did this for 15 years, 15 years. I wouldn't raise money from outside because all of those fears. So I would do it on my own and it dramatically capped us. And it took literally 15 years for me to realize all my preconceived notions were wrong that I held for yeah. 15 years. But that's normal again, right? Again, fear, regardless of what our goals are, like I still have fear with other things, you know? Um, but that's the number one showstopper. And I tell people what most educators are going to tell you, they'll give you a lesson or two on private money. And most of them will say, hey, raising money is easy. Just go ask your friends and family members. Well, what if you don't want to? What if they don't support you? What if they're not in a position to invest? So I have created 76 strategies, scripts, templates, all that stuff to where like there's a party truck across the street right now. Like I could literally go approach the driver of this truck and raise money from him. So how do we get out there and creatively start to build rapport and trust with strangers 
um, so that you don't have to depend on your friends and family members. But all of it really starts with mindset. Like, don't feel bad. You're not asking for anything. They're not doing you a favor by lending you money. We really have to believe that we're the ones doing them a favor by allowing them to invest with us. We're the ones offering them double digit returns back by real estate, right? So number one is mindset. And once you have the right mindset and you really believe and understand what you're doing, you're not going to have a problem, you know, successfully raising money. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I, I took exactly that route. I did not want to go to, um, friends and, and family. I, I just didn't want to do that. And doesn't matter if you do great. Most people do. And that's actually a great way to start everything else like that. That was not me. And so I chose other methods that worked best for me. And it, you know, I, I think a lot of my preconceived notions, like if I do this, I'm not going to have control. If I do this, like it, it was, they were just so wrong. And I felt like even too, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be super salesy and annoying. And somebody told me, they're like, AJ, you don't understand. You have an opportunity. The only thing you are, what you're doing is you're not allowing other people to participate. That's it. You're barring them out. It's not that you're selling anybody. If you have an opportunity, that's great, right? It's not, you're not selling snake oil, right? You know, you're not, you're not out there selling. And, and two, that's how I approach it now. I'm like, I'm not here to sell you. I have, right. I have an opportunity, right? And people in general, like what I do and what I'm going to work for is to create opportunities. Other people need opportunities. And that really changed the way I thought about it and looked at it. It was like, wait, this is something I should actually be proud about that I'm out here trying yeah. to work hard and create opportunity. And people actually want to hear about it. They want to know people want access and they want opportunities. And once yeah. I changed that, it changed everything. A hundred percent. And again, it's just a matter of you educating your audience, right? They're not getting 12% in the bank. They're not getting collateral security, a deed of trust, insurance, a promissory note. They're not getting in the stock market. I mean, I actually take my private money lenders through this exercise and I will say, Google, what does a bank do with your money? And then read it out loud. And they end up doing just that. Banks use the deposits from customers to invest in real estate and lend to other people or businesses. Private money lender, I'm giving you an opportunity to be the bank. Like, why yep. wouldn't you do that, right? So, yes. um, but to your point though, about being a silent stakeholder, I just, it's interesting because the trust and rapport goes both ways. Like you're going to find that your private money lenders are going to start to quote unquote interview you because they also want to make sure it's a good fit. Like there's a, a lady who I, I believe I may have just raised capital from and she was like, what are you looking for? What aren't you? And I didn't know what she was getting at. And finally, at the end, she was like, I, I just want to get a monthly report of what's happening. Like, I don't want to be involved in the design process. And I was like, great, because you're not going to be. And if that's something that you want, then this isn't a good fit for you. Like, I don't care how much money you have, but you will not be involved with the team. You will not be involved in any of the decision-making process. You will just be there and gladly collect your interest every single month. Um, so the relationship goes both ways as well. In today's market, like everything seems to be getting like people are more scared, right? People look at things as it's more iffy, right? Um, in this circumstance, if you're trying to start out, you've got a deal or something is a lot of people I hear, they're like, I don't know if now's a good time to actually be trying to raise money or not. Um, what are your 
thoughts when you hear people that are in, I mean, we're in an economic environment that people feel worried about because they hear it all over the TV and they hear everybody talking. And so now they're getting nervous and they feel like they're paralyzed. They don't know what to do. That's a very common thought. It is a complete, understandably so, misconception. It's even easier now to raise money. The value of the dollar continues to go down. Inflation is up. Hey, private money lenders, you got money sitting in the bank. Your money is literally dying every day it's in the bank. Again, it's just a matter of educating them, right? This is my standard process. These are the controls I put into place. Here's why it would serve you well to invest with me. I'm going to offer you protection, security, and insurance. Um, you're going to earn 12% annualized, whatever you guys are offering them, right? So, and just helping them realize all the benefits that you offer that they don't get in banks, in the stock market, in their retirement accounts. It's it's simply a lack of education in this country. That's why it's our job to get out there and educate them on the benefits to investing with us. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the lack of education is shocking. Um, when most people start saving money, it's generally the time to be investing in it. And that's what we found yes. after 2008. Everybody was hoarding cash and we were out buying and everybody's like, what are you doing? You're buying real estate in a real estate crisis. And I'm like, exactly. And it oh, was yeah. so counterintuitive where I'm like, we are, the federal government's printing money at mass. We'd never seen anything like it before. I'm like, your money is getting worth less right? And you don't even know what's happening. While what that's going to do is that's going to prop up value of assets. So I'm like, this is like the greatest sell that has ever taken place in the history of the United States. And people didn't get back into the market until 2016. It was like yeah, eight years so later. I mean, just like you, a lot of my friends generated the majority of their wealth in 2008. You know, it's like, Again, if you know what you're doing, you got systems in place, you know how to buy. As long as you're buying below market value, it doesn't matter what's happening to the economy. Like you're yeah. going to build instant equity in the deal the minute you close on it. it. Same thing happened during COVID. Right when COVID hit, we had the, you know, whatever it was, that that time frame from April to uh, really it was July um, where markets started to shut down. Like it was like CMBS markets started to shut down. Everybody got really nervous, freaked out. And we went out and bought like three huge deals. Um, they were three best deals we'd done in five years. Got one from a bank because the bank was worried. And literally all it took was four months later and those assets exploded in value. It, we didn't even have to wait six months. And it was like, and people are like, oh, well, that's, you know, you must know what's going on. And you're saying, no, I have no clue. I'm not timing mar markets. I don't time markets. I understand a deal and that deal went on yeah. sale. So I bought it while everybody else yeah. was nervous. So they didn't. And it's like, it, it's, you gotta be able to take what's happening with a grain of salt and say, I understand it and recognize it as opportunities, not as a way, you know, as Warren Buffett says, you know, be when people are being fearful, be greedy. And when others are being greedy, be fearful. And it's, yeah. it's hard though. That's hard to, to do. It's easy to say. Yeah. And again, like the way, you know, we think and speak, like I understand, I understand why it's not common, right? We aren't taught these things in school. This isn't what our parent, most parents taught us, you know, but once your mindset shifts, 
it's so you're going to be like, Oh my God, why didn't I start this sooner? Like I always say, cause I started investing in real estate when I was 34 and I always, I'm like, God, I wish I would have started sooner, but I just wasn't ready. Right. I wasn't educated. I didn't get, it. I didn't have friends who were doing it. So for those of you who want to do this, like start putting yourself into environments where other people are doing it, right. Surrounding yourself with like-minded people. We hear that often, right. Go start to educate yourself through books and podcasting. And that just didn't resonate for me, but there are so many out there that will give you like free information, free content. And you know, start going to meetups and connecting with people who you aspire to be like, start to shift your circles. Like, unfortunately, and I don't know, AJ, if you can relate to this, but you know, unfortunately, when I got into this, I was so excited about it that I did lose two of my best girlfriends along the way. Still till this day, it's hard for me to accept, you know, because I was just trying to push like entrepreneurship on them. And I was like, why aren't you ladies doing this? Like, this is amazing. They didn't want to hear it anymore. Still till this day, I'm like, are you sure I didn't push you away? And they're like, no, 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 we just grew apart, you know? But again, like that's a part of, I think that's the part of our journey as real estate investors. I'm not saying you're all gonna lose your friends, but like, if you are, maybe it's a good indication that you're on the right path, whatever your path is. No, hundred percent. You are a product of your circumstances. And that was something that I, I, you know, I think I made a decision fairly early on. I didn't push any friends away or anything else like that, but I'm like, I'm going to do certain activities and I'm going to do certain things and I'm going to hang around with certain people. And that's where I'm investing my time and efforts. Right. And at, 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 at first it's was weird because I'm all of a sudden not going out. I'm not doing things, but then right. all of a sudden over time, the differences start showing. And really it took me till my mid thirties. And then all of those friends started to call. Then they wanted to know what have you done? That's so differently. What are you doing? Right. And all of a sudden now we're really interested. It was like, well, for the last 18 years, I, I worked, I put myself in these situations, right. I didn't go out and do a lot of those other things. And if you can't, if you're, you are a product of your circumstances and you will be, you can't be in circumstances and then say you're doing, you, you have a different kind of mindset or a different thinking pattern or that you're going to live a different way. You're not. You're living the way that your yeah. circumstances are. And that can be really hard for people to, to do, but changing your mind or changing your, your future, your life, right? That is an active approach. It is not a passive approach. So it, it can be hard and difficult. And yes, I think you do lose relationships, friends, things like that, but it's just about moving forward. You hope that all of them move forward. You hope that everybody moves into more control, but sure. it doesn't always happen. And that's okay yeah. too. That's totally fine. That's just fine. Yeah. And again, everyone's goals are different, right? And, yes. you know, but for me, it's like, I after that first year, I was like, okay, I want to do this. Like, I'm going to be successful. I knew that I was coachable. I knew that I could follow systems. And I mean, my family and I wasn't married. I didn't have kids at the time, you know, but my siblings, my aunts and uncles, my parents, like they were annoyed. If you look at family photos of me for that first year and a half, eight, it was 18 months was my turning point where I went from being like a technician to like the entrepreneur. If you haven't read Michael Gerber's The E-Met, there you go. There's one of a few books that I've read, love. Um, but every single picture, including at the dinner table, I'm not joking on the toilet. I've got my laptop. Like my aunt busted into the bathroom one day. Cause I'm just like sitting on the toilet with my laptop. She's like, what are you doing? And it, I was like laughing in the picture, but 
I was committed and I always tell people like, what are you willing to sacrifice? And is it really a sacrifice if you're working towards like crushing your goals, you're building your lifestyle by design, right? Like how can you replace activity A with activity B? You know, we're not telling you to be antisocial, but no. still go out, but be selective with where you're going or who you're going out with. Can you yes. turn it into a, a networking opportunity, right? So, um, but after 18 months of hustling, you guys, like I packed up my bags, left Chicago, moved to San Diego and no, it wasn't to work. It was to live blocks away from the ocean, right? So it's like just getting that team in place is going to make your life so much easier. Well, and, and two, I, I think this is a really, um, you know, kind of interesting thing that a lot of us, you know, we either go through or, or we have. But for most of the time, all we're talking about is being intentional. So most people's friends, most people's, you know, family, most people they're around, they didn't choose it. They didn't choose those people. They may think they did, but it was circumstantial. You met somebody at a party, right? You started hanging out and then you just fell into that because their kids went to your school or they were a part of the same thing. It's a circumstantial friendship. It's not a, a, a true quality or chosen friendship, right? Whereas when you change and when you say, I want to change, I'm going to be a lot more intentional about who I'm bringing into my life and why I'm bringing them into my life. It does not mean that I have any problem with anybody at all, but right. I have a limited amount of time, a very limited amount of time. So how I allocate my time will make a difference between me, my family, my kids. And I need to be intentional about that because my future is important to me. And that's very yeah. different. It's not, you're not being a jerk. You're not being, it's not like I have a problem with anybody. It's not, no, none of those things. I'm just being more intentional. That's all. Yeah. yeah. No, you know, that's so crazy. Cause I said, we all have strengths and weaknesses, right? So I a hundred percent agree with you. That is something I still struggle with. One of my weaknesses is like, I don't know how to say no to people. Cause like, right. I want to help everyone, you know, cause I'm a product of help and coaching. And it's like, Hey, Amy, can I pick your brain? And in my head, I'm like, no, dude, I don't have time for you to pick my brain. Like, but how do I draw that line? Right. And set those boundaries and standards. Like it's, it's really hard and it's something like I journal consistently. I'm the world's biggest procrastinator. Again, another weakness, but it's like, you're right. And I know I need to do it, but it's like, Amy, like, stop, do more of it, you know? So if you've got a book, you can recommend, <laughs> recommend. I, it for I'm, me. I'm right in the same boat with you. I, I'm like, I want to talk about this stuff all the time. I want to help everybody all the time. And for me, if you're interested, you don't like, and two, when I say I'm being intentional with my time, I don't mean I'm going with people that are already making money, things like, no, I'm talking mindset. And in people that have a mindset, whether they have nothing or they have a lot, that is just amazing to me. And it's intriguing to yeah. me. And I want to be a part of it. And I, and I want to do it. So it's really hard for me to say no. And there's all these things coming at me. But to me, I'm like, it's all valuable. And I all really want it because I've created, like you have, circumstance in your life that draws those type of people. And then it becomes yeah. very, very hard <laughs> because there's, it's, it's such volume. Yeah, but it's interesting too. And I'm going to assume you've experienced this where like, you know, I still have my like original group of girlfriends. From oh yeah, I still have day. my same, same guy friends that I went to high school, ski buddies. We go on a trip every year. I, I don't, yes. I didn't ditch my friends. It's not what I'm talking about. I didn't like say, no. oh, I don't like my family. No, I didn't do any of that. No, like I, yeah. Like we have our girls trip every year. 
And then I have my real estate girls, right? Girls, like we go to like masterminds. We've got like goal setting weekends and it's like, and I love them both. They're just so different, you know, like, like whoever thought like people you'd be doing deals with or raising money from would become like your family, you know, like we go on vacations together, like again, cause you love it, you know, like it's just so crazy. Yeah. And to a rising tide lifts all ships. I, I such a believer in that. If you, you have a group and if everybody's doing it, you know, like I often talk about like the PayPal mafia, right? Look at all the PayPal mafia and what they all went to build and create. And they're all friends and they all just lift each other up and they were all massively successful. And it's like, well, one of the reasons they were massively all, all successful on all their ventures afterwards, right? It was because they had that network. And that network and that mindset that they created just propelled them all to the future and what they want to do. And that's powerful. Yeah. And there's so much like there's so much opportunity and wealth to go around in real estate. So for those of you who are like maybe just getting started, you know, if you come across someone who doesn't have a collaborative mindset and they view as competition, then just ask yourself, is that someone you want to align yourself with? Because only twice in the last 10 years have I come across, it was a wholesaler and a realtor who had that mindset. And other than that, it's like some of my biggest quote unquote competitors who, you know, host live events, just like I do, like we will actually collaborate leading up to the the event and afterwards, like what's working, what didn't work for you. And it's like, we don't view each other as competition. It's just like, how can we learn and grow together? And through that process, you become more powerful, right? And you start doing deals together. So just keep that in mind as well. There is no competition. Everyone is a resource or an ally. If this is not a winner takes all game, this isn't how real estate doesn't work like that. And like I tell people, I'm like, success doesn't happen on an island. Like if you put yourself in that situation, you're not going to be successful. My competitors are my biggest allies. They're the ones because if he's winning, guess what? So am I. If my competitor is losing, that's bad for me. That's not good. That means something's happening that's hitting us all, right? That's not a situation I want to see or be in. It's uh, really, really bad. Um, We do better by being together and do more because like you said, literally it's infinite. My problem is I can't access all the opportunities. It's not that I don't have enough. It's I can't access them all. And I'm trying every day to create more bandwidth to access. And then I want to share that with others. We take investors, right? We partner, I JV. It's like, it's all shared. It's all, all built up together. And two, not only is that just a successful strategy, that's a better way to live life. Totally. Yeah. It's just, I don't want to live life the other way. I think that'd be horrible, but, um, I don't want to take up your whole afternoon. You've already been on here with me for a while and I know you're outrageously busy. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I just love everything you, you've got going on and you're doing. For everybody on here, though, that wants to continue following up with you, that would like to learn more, where, where can we direct everybody? Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate your time as well. And um, yeah, you guys, like, I don't have a hundred, you know, social media managers, you know, supporting me behind the scenes. Like, it's a direct line to me. The best place to connect with me would be on Instagram. 
It's just Amy Majori um, on Instagram. I do respond to all my DMs because I'm sure you're going to have questions and I'd be more than happy to respond to them. Also, for those of you who are around on October 15th and 16th, I'm doing a two-day private money real estate conference in Long Beach, California. Connect with me on Instagram. You can read all about it, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So it'd be great to see you there as well. And um, yeah, I appreciate you, AJ. And let's stay connected. And whatever I can do to you know, be a resource and provide you with value, please let me know. Hey, you as well. Thanks again for coming on. This was a tremendous value. Great conversation. Uh, everybody go check out her Instagram, um, follow more, just a wealth of knowledge. Appreciate it.